What chapter today? <coughs> oh, that's technically right. All right. Uh, which psalm? 56. That is correct. Psalm 56. And the psalms, there are so many. How many are there? 150. That's exactly right. They're divided into five books. Which book are we in? Number two. That's right. <clears throat> so let's read these 13 verses. And uh, see if you can kind of anticipate now. Now, it'd be cheating if I ask Marcia because I kind of kind of sort of preached my sermon like, through the week. So if she's listening and she does a lot, she'd know the answer to this. But see if you can figure Not as much as I do these days. Especially the things that I really ought to remember. See if you can figure out what I'm going to draw for focus. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. For they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. The word rest there means like we wrestle, like twist it and turn it and try to do all kinds of stuff with it. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps. And they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, <clears throat> then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy bowels are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. Thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? David ended a song with a question. I guess it's okay to do that every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Even in the Bible, there are two books that end with a question. They both had to do with Nineveh for some reason. <clears throat> Did you notice the two verses that are almost identical? 
four and ten? <coughs> well, you're half right there. Four and eleven. Four and eleven, almost identical. Just a little bit of difference. <coughs> and uh, the reason why verse three is special to us is Marsha was teaching some little ones in one of those schools. I think that became your verse for the year. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. I believe she had a little one say, what time I'm afraid, I will wet my pants. <laughs> At least the kid was honest. But I want to focus on a verse here they should touch us. Not long ago, from this pulpit, I told you that uh, sometimes, because of circumstance, even the preacher needs to be careful. And uh, a lot of times in funerals. In fact, I was not aware I did this. Mary one day said, Dad, you're using your funeral face. Got a way of biting my lip when I would otherwise get emotion. <clears throat> I've been in funerals where you have the deceased and you have people just break out, crying their eyes out. And I want you to know, it's not just the little kids. It's not just the ladies. We live in a culture that tells us, you're a man. You don't cry. You don't flinch. You're rough. You're tough. That's not in the Word of God. Do you know that? Now, there are extremes. Philippians <coughs> says, let your moderation be not known to all men. There are some people, they just, at the drop of a hat. We had a preacher came down from Illinois and they said, oh, uh, his name was Steve, and they called him Crybaby Steve, and I wondered why. He got in the pulpit before he opened his Bible. He just started blowing. And he cried through most of his sermon. And uh, I thought, well, I guess he's really taken with this message. But uh, that was par for the course for you. And if I'm doing anything that takes away from people understanding what it is that God's Word says, I think I ought to check some of that. You don't want to be so cold and stoic that you never show any emotion. You must have ice water in your veins. That's not really a compliment to a preacher. There might be some bankers that way. There might be other people that are that way. But I want you to know, if you can't be touched with the feelings of others, you're not like Jesus. Because he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Some of you remember Brother Earl Smith. 
Brother Earl Smith has a special place in our hearts. Now it was Brother Orville Heath that recommended me to the Benton Church. But because of distance, it was a little tougher to scoot it over here. I love to come visit with him. And when I lost him, I lost a good friend and the last real father I had in the ministry. But my neighbor in the faith was Brother Earl Smith. He pastored the Plumberville Baptist Church from 19, I think it was 56, until he resigned about a year after we came to Benton. So there was a year there where we were real close. And Brother Smith, <clears throat> in addition to preaching in his home church, very popular in Bible conferences, he had the right mix of sobriety about the things of God, but like a preacher ought to, he didn't take himself too seriously. That's, that's a good thing. <clears throat> but Brother Smith was used of the Lord to open the door so that I could be involved in prison ministry. And the inmates knew Brother Smith. In fact, uh, some of them regarded him as their pastor. You know, I'm not really your pastor. I'm your preacher. But I loved to hear Brother Smith preach. Had him there. Pulpit there. Mina uh, Benton. And of course he was a good friend to Brother Heath as well. And preached a lot of different places. In 1999, Marsh and I were told to March 4th we left one school and went to another and it was a whole new ball game. It really was. Trust me. <clears throat> Every Thursday we had chapel. And uh, was chapel all grades back then? Okay. You had your itty bitties through 6 and then 7 through 12. <clears throat> and in one of our teachers meetings they said if anybody has any recommendations, if, if you or someone you know uh, would be good and be willing to come speak in chapel, let us know. And I said, I have this preacher friend. His name is Earl Smith. They didn't know Earl Smith from Adam. Except Adam probably had more hair than Earl Smith. <laughs> and he passed. The school year ended in May and he passed in June of 2000. And then the one time he preached there <coughs> at the school, he preached from this psalm. He preached from verse number 8. And a message like that has a way of sticking with me. I'm not going to re-preach his sermon, but there's some imagery that he gave that really has impressed me. And I've never heard anybody else preach on this. I'm sure over 2,000 years, somebody else probably has, but I don't know who it was. Look at verse 8. <coughs> this is David crying to the Lord. 
And we got to know that the Lord knows everything about us. Past, present, and future. And more than just knowing, He's not just a big library of information. He is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. As it says in the New Testament. But long before any of the New Testament was penned, we have this verse. Thou tell us my wanderings. Put thou my tears in my bottle. Are they not in thy book? We humans are kind of funny. We have little traditions. Uh, our second Mary was with us at the, uh, this was the Bible conference and she lost a tooth. And she went over to somebody and lost a tooth. Somebody gave her a dollar. So I think she asked everybody, I lost a tooth. I lost a tooth. And she said, I got over six dollars. Well, I hope that's not why he went to the Bible conference. And uh, we sometimes do that with our kiddos. We, we save their teeth or this, that, and the other. <clears throat> but isn't it interesting that David says about his tears, I have tears, and when I shed them, I may be all alone. I may be in a dark place. It may be in the middle of the night. Maybe nobody else knows about it. But my tears, you catch. You put them in your bottle. Scripture speaks about a book of remembrance. You have a scrapbook. A lot of people keep a scrapbook. Does God have a scrapbook on you? You're His child. He does. In researching for this, I found that archaeologists have found ancient tombs where little glass bottles have been buried with the deceased. And upon investigation, the archaeologists said these were bottles that were used to catch the tears of the deceased. It might seem strange to you that some cultures do that. But David talks about it here. <coughs> now, we have to know that it's more than a saying to say, for this I have Jesus. The wise man Solomon in Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is a time to weep and there is a time to laugh. There's a transplanted Scot by the name of Peter Marshall. And he had told how that there was an occasion were a bunch of folks who emigrated from Scotland. They come across the pond and they had a great meeting in which they played some of the old Scottish tunes. And he said there wasn't a lot of talking, but there were a lot of wet eyes. And there was a lot of swallowing hard because they were touched. And yet in our culture today, Crying is associated with babies. 
when Mr. Lincoln ran for office earlier in his career. He ran, had every hope of winning, but he lost. And they say, Abe, how do you feel? And he said, well, I'm too big to cry. It hurts too much to laugh. I'm afraid there are people like that. They have the idea that it is unmanly. But I wonder what kind of man never, ever would weep. <clears throat> I mentioned Philippians 4. It says in verse 5, let all things be done in moderation. You don't want to be like that preacher that cries his eyes out every time he gets in the pulpit. But you should also look out for the guy who thinks he's Mr. Spock, who thinks he's a stone statue. Nothing can get to me. That's not biblical. That might be macho. That might be cool in the eyes of our culture. But it ain't Christian. Hmm. When Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in chapter 4, he says concerning the righteous dead. He says you should not mourn for them as for others which have no hope. If you go to a funeral and you're just nonplussed, just one of those things, I guess it was his time or her time to go. Really? You say that about a husband, a wife, a parent, <coughs> A child. We had uh, months ago. We had was it a week where we had back to back. We had two funerals, and uh, I'd never been church member with either one of them. One was a preacher, and one was a former member of this church. And I didn't have a close connection with either one of them, but. Uh, I sure don't want to critique those who would shed tears. Scripture says to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So if you're one of those hard-boiled realists, oh, I never cry. Crying's for babies. Crying's for old women. Crying's not for a rugged man. <clears throat> Look out. That isn't biblical. I want you to know that tears are something that when you shed them, sometimes that's all you can do. In Genesis 21, it tells us about Rahab who was kicked out of the tents there with Abraham. And she takes her son, Ishmael. And she had some supplies, including water, but she's out in the desert. And it tells us in that 21st chapter while she's out there, they ran out of water. And that's a pretty severe thing in the middle of the desert. And her son Ishmael was probably going to die as far as Hagar was concerned. And she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she went away to weep because that's all she could do. Well, David, who was used to write more of the Psalms than anybody else, had no hesitation. David, nobody would dare to say that David was some kind of sissy. David was a rugged guy. I mean, he went against Goliath when nobody else would. 
Look in Psalm 6 and verse 6. I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Have you ever cried yourself to sleep at night? It's not a shame. You're in good company. It's uh, one proof that you're a human being. And you know that. Also in uh, the 39th Psalm and verse number 12. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. God never toward his righteous. I don't want to hear you cry. No. He is touched by the feelings of our permit. Put thou my tears in thy bottle. Are they not written in thy book? You may cry off to yourself and nobody else in this world will ever know. Perhaps the angels don't know, but the Lord knows. And the Lord cares. Does that say something to you? It sure does to me. Sometimes it was a continual thing. In Psalm 42, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night. I have no appetite for food or drink, but I'm, I'm crying. While they continually say to me, Where is thy God? There are people who will critique and critique. We find a similar testimony of Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. In Psalm 80, the psalmist speaks of the bread of tears. And we haven't gotten to that one yet. The Lord willing, we will after a while. And the Lord holds out. And we're still in this continuum. By the time we get to 127, it speaks of the bread of sorrows therein. But can you see, can you appreciate that God keeps a record of our tears, including those who are brought on by our fears. Very touchingly related, as we saw in our text. And it's not just there. There's a lot in the Scripture about tears. It might surprise you to find that out. Because we are a people who are prone to weep. In the 61st of Isaiah. Isaiah 61. <clears throat> Look at the second part of verse 2. To comfort all that mourn. Does that sound like anything Jesus ever said? Absolutely. The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. You're not yucking up when you're mourning. No, you're moved to tears. It wasn't just the prophets. It wasn't just the Lord. Paul says something. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We ended with verse 10 this morning. Look at verse 7. 
Our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you're partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. If you've been through a time of weeping, the Lord knows and the Lord cares. He keeps a record of those tears that we shed. Tears are a definite part of the human condition. We've already studied the 30th Psalm where in verse 5 it says, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. <clears throat> if you're my age or older, you may remember back in the 60s there was a TV show called Branded. Branded is about a guy who was in a union group and uh, the Indians attacked and killed every last one of them except him. And he was unconscious. And when they found him, they said, you didn't live. Or you didn't die. You lived. You must be a traitor. You must be a coward. And they drum him out. So he's out. So he's, this rest of the show, he's trying to prove his innocence. He was branded. But he was a friend of the little guy. And in one episode, ironically, the Indian was played by Burt Reynolds. He played a leader among the Braves who took a stand. And he was convinced he ought to surrender. But he still had his rifle with him. He wasn't pointing at anybody. And as the laws were written back then, they said he couldn't go to court because in order to be heard in court, he had to prove that he's a man. He's an Indian. Thinking back then was, if you're an Indian, you're something less than you. And so here he was, and here was the officer who was bent to probably get a medal, he thought. And off of the distance, there's his judge. And the hero of the TV show, Brandon, Chuck Connors played that part, by the way. He sees where the Indian gets shot. And he's not, he's down, but he's not flat dead. Chuck Connors runs over to him. He says, look at this. What's this I see on his face? A tear. And he turned to the officer and he said, can you name any animal that weeps? He says, Your Honor, I think we have sufficient proof, evidence that Indians are human too. Because they weep. The raccoons, I don't think they weep. The deer and the buffalo and all that. But God has given men the capacity to weep. Some people are ashamed about that. If weeping is such a shame and disgrace, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus, the Son of God, in the form of man. Jesus <coughs> wept. God, in human form, cried at the tomb of Lazarus such that the Jews beheld him and says how he loved him. 
You think it's unmanly to weep, to shed tears. And just remember, Jesus wept. Are you more of a man than Jesus? I don't think so. In each of the three synoptic gospels, it tells us that Peter, who is so bold, so brass as to say, when he says, this night you'll all betray me. Peter says, not me. Not me. The rest of these guys, I don't know about them. But I'm in your corner, Lord. And Jesus said, before you've heard that rooster crow the second time, you will have denied me the third time. And I strongly suspect, at least on the inside, Peter's thinking, no, you're wrong. Not me. I'll go with you to the end. But what happened? When the rooster crowed, Peter had already denied the Lord the third time before he heard the rooster crow the second time. And as soon as he heard that rooster crow the second time, he remembered what Jesus had said. That's our problem. We don't remember what Jesus said till it's too late. Like the old Yiddish saying was, too late, we get too smart. And he remembered. And he turned. And at that moment, Jesus turned. And their eyes met. I guarantee you, Peter would go, hey, everybody makes mistakes. No! He went out and he wept. He was ashamed of himself. And if it had been me, I'd have done the same thing. I suspect you would too. You're a child of God. And that's in all three of the synoptic Gospels. That impresses me. In the 126th Psalm, it talks about the one who cares about the souls of men and women, boys and girls. And sometimes, I know some people use man-made methods, and they may have the wrong motivation. But look at the last two verses of Psalm 126. I think this is talking about witnessing. I think this is talking about talking to folks about their soul. You might talk to somebody about the weather. You might talk to them about politics. You might talk about them about economics. You ever talk to them about spiritual things? <coughs> you praise the Lord. Give me an opportunity to speak to family members, friends, and neighbors. Talk to them about their soul. I'm not saying talk to them about joining the church. Talk to them about quitting their meanness. Talk to them about turning over a new leaf. Talk to them about Jesus. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. If you don't sow, you might be yucking it up and say, I'd be a downer talking to people about hell and judgment and all that. I'd rather talk about the smooth things, the cool things. I don't want people to think I'm some hard-nosed whatever. I don't think those people are going to read it. Enjoy. He that goeth forth and weepeth 
bearing precious seed. You know what, folks? There's nothing in print more precious to me than this book. I've got other books. They don't come close. I've got pieces of paper. I've got documents and records and other things. They don't come close. I put down notes on paper. But compared to this book, this is nothing. We've got to know that. This is what's so important. I'd really like to remind you real quickly that there are specific references to individual humans who shed tears. Who did Jacob wrestle with by the ford? One man said, well, he wrestled with the Son of God. Another said, well, he wrestled with a man. Somebody else says he wrestled with an angel. You know what? There's scripture for all three of those. But I want to haggle with you about who his wrestling partner is right now. What was his reaction? Hosea chapter 12 verses 3 and 4 talks about Jacob. You remember when he was born? Esau was born first, but Jacob's angry. Get back in here. I'm supposed to be born first. He was the supplanter. I'm going to take your place, kid. You think you're firstborn? Well, I'm, I'm going to be there. It says in Hosea 12, 3 and 4, He took his brother by the heel of the woman by his strength. He had power with God. Yea, he had power over the angel and prevailed. He wept. Jacob wept. And made supplication unto him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. Like we're reminded, shortest verse in your Bible, Jesus wept. And also tells us that the 20th of John, after the word was out that the tomb was empty. It tells us that Mary came to the tomb and saw it empty and she wept. All these references to tears and our text which tells us the request is, Lord, put my tears in your bottle. Are you ashamed of your tears if they're shed for the cause of Christ? David asked the question when he came to visit his brothers in camp. And nobody would stand against Goliath. Is there not a cause? David wasn't such a bold soldier that he refused to weep. And he admits it. Just like we read here. Now I got news for some people. I think some people think, oh, you know, right now the angels are weeping over this, that, and the other. And, and we're going to spend a lot of time in heaven weeping over all the sad things. No, that's not going to happen. Well, how do you know, preacher? Because God told me His Word. He told you too, if you'll listen. Revelation chapter 7, the last verse of the chapter. 
For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. You know, just like it says in the 23rd Psalm, He leads us and He feeds us. That's what's going to be in heaven too. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I'll be 70 my next birthday for I'll give them life and breath. But there's probably not been a single one of those years I've lived where I haven't wept at least once. Sometimes I thought, well, I'm a little kid. I could, I could cry. I was a baby once and I cried. I've had some circumstances that moved me to weep. And one preacher's not ashamed to tell you there's not ice water in my veins. I may not show it on the outside. I have tears of joy sometimes. I have rejoicing words sometimes. And then when I hear word, some sadness, some soul has slipped into eternity and there's no evidence whatsoever. I'd have a lot of money in my bank if I had a dollar for every time I'd gone to some kind of funeral. and They talk about so-and-so who's going to their great reward. And I'll say, what sort of reward is that? Well, you know. No, I don't. I didn't know the person so well. Was, were they a child of God? And that's when they start scraping the bottom of the barrel. Well, they, they used to go to church. They remember the church. I told you about the guy... He played on the church's baseball team. There was even a sort of crazy lady in our hometown where the Methodist minister said, anybody who loves cats can't be all bad. And that was his only basis to say, I imagine she's in heaven. Nowadays, unless we're talking about Hitler or Saddam Hussein, somebody dies and well, you know, you know, they're in heaven now. Probably trying to pull the gold up out of the streets and stuff like that. Uh, really? That's not what Scripture says. Why in the book of Revelation? Look at chapter 21. And the fourth verse repeats what we just read. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. It does not say that God's going to have some angel bark at, What are you all crying for? You're in heaven now. God himself shall wipe away all tears. You think it matters to God that we're touched? That we are concerned? Perhaps they're tears of shame. Perhaps they're tears of regret, of remorse. There won't be any of that in heaven because the Lord is going to wipe away those tears. I think I ended on this this morning, but it always stands scrutiny. In the 23rd of Job, verse 10, Job knew that God's God is covered. And He is our constant. He is the tender, tender. He tends us. He is truly our spiritual shepherd. 
Now, long before David said that in the Psalms, Job, probably the oldest book in our Bible, the Spirit had it to be written that Job was moved to say this, and I'm satisfied he got this from the Lord. He knoweth the way that I take. If you knew right now what kind of headaches and heartaches you're going to have in the next week, the next month, the next year, you probably want to go jump off a cliff someplace. You probably want to go hide under a rock someplace. You go, oh, how can I go through that? I, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't afford to lose this person. I couldn't afford to have this reversal in my business. Oh, and, and we do that. We borrow trouble. I was raised by a couple of recovering worry warts. And, you know, if there's anything that could go wrong, they look at the newspaper. Oh, look at this. It's bad times ahead. And uh, you hear a constant diet of that. It can get pretty unhealthy. Especially if you think it's all up to man. What those people at that round table decide is going to affect the world. What that science and that laboratory is able to come up with in research and development, that's going to affect our future. What these people or those folks or this individual, look at all the bugaboos out there. Go get us. I'm scared. They go to the doctor and he says, oh, we got this problem and that problem. Too much of this and not enough of that. And you're up at nights chewing your fingernails and poor, poor, pitiable me. And sometimes people who call themselves Christians may actually be Christians, but they don't seem to have much confidence in the Lord. They think they've got to give the Lord a little bit of help. You know? They'll say, now Lord, I'm turning it all over to you. And then when nobody's looking, I'll take it back. I'll, I'll fix it the best way I know how anyway. No. It says casting all your cares upon Him. Why? He careth for you. The one with all knowledge. The one with all power. The all one with all resources. God's not going to run out of money. He's not going to conk out. He's not going to say, I'm too tired. I'm not smart enough to solve this situation. No. He's got it all. And for the sake of His precious people. And when we're going through these hard times, what did the Hebrews cry out in the book of Exodus? They were in bondage. Moses was born and they were already slaves. He lived 40 years. He was living in the palace, but most of his people were living as slaves. He leaves. Comes back 40 years later. Now, you do the math there. Now, he was 80 years old. They're still slaves. The people were crying out to the Lord, Lord, hear us, Lord. And someone probably thought, God's not listening. God doesn't give a hoot about us. But God did. And it was God who told Moses, Your people, they're my people. And it's time, Moses. Now you're going to go back and lead them out. God heard their cries. God knew their tears. What did we read here? He knoweth the way that I take. 
Now you can't see the future except what God has given us in His Word. And be thankful for that. Don't visit Madame Volga who looks at her crystal ball or turns over her tarot cards or says, here's what I see in your future. No, what I see is a person, well, they're not connecting the dots biblically or else they wouldn't be going to this person and paying them well-earned money for a bunch of foolishness like that. But it's the Lord who knows the way that we take. How's it all going to come out? Because that's what we want to know. How's it going to end up? When he have tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know, gold is still pretty valuable. It really is. It has some intrinsic value. It has some beauty. You know, even silver will tarnish. Gold will not tarnish. If a, if a Spanish doubloon goes down with a Spanish galleon and it sits on the bottom of the ocean for 400 years and so they find it, it might have barnacles growing on it, but it doesn't rot. It doesn't rust. It doesn't tarnish. You bring it up and it's just as bright and shiny as when it was made at the mint. Because that's one of the things about gold. And that's what he compares our condition to. Not because we're so strong, we're so smart, we're so spiritual, but because he is the one who knows the way that we take. So, we don't fear men because we trust God. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Let's stay. We're